You sending the whoop? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss me? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me. Here we are uh, back in my apartment and not at the Terminus Conference in Atlanta. Uh, but how great was Josh Michael last week? Yeah, I had such a good time doing the um, doing the live episode. I hope we can do more of those in the future. Uh, but for now, here we are back in my in my North Hollywood studio, a.k.a. my, my apartment and uh, and kitchen table with Emma Fife. Emma Fife is a host and personality. You've seen her on Collider and you've seen her on um, on Hyper RPG and you've seen her um, across the board um, in all sorts of geeky and nerdy personality places. And um, Emma is also the leader of the Fife Club, where if you watch the movie Trivia Schmodown, which Emma and I both participate in. Um, it's basically, if you don't know what it is and you always hear us talking about it, it's basically wrestling, but with movie trivia. So instead of actual physical competition, we have movie trivia competition, but there are factions and there are characters and faces and heels and storylines and all the things. And Emma is the leader of the Fife Club, which is the faction that I belong to. So if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard um Rachel Cushing, who is also a part of the faction, and you have heard Mark and Draco, and uh, now you're hearing Emma, and I'm so glad she's here. Emma picked Some Like It Hot, classic American comedy from director Billy Wilder, who, as you know, I love, um, and this is a movie that I'm excited to talk about. It's it's funny because Mark and Draco, who um, you know, we play in this trivia league with, he picked the movie Tootsie. Um, which it's easy to put these two and uh, Tootsie and some like it hot sort of in a similar category because they are, uh, for lack of a better term, I guess, drag comedies. Um, but uh, but they're 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 very of their time. But they're also considered by AFI to be the number one and number two greatest American comedies ever made, um, which I think is interesting for a lot of different reasons. Um I will say, so we talk about a lot of stuff in this episode and it, you know, we talk about it from the perspective of two, you know, cisgender women. I mean, we, um, so, so I say that because as we're discussing the ideas of femininity, as we're discussing the ideas of gender fluidity, um, you know, we, it, it was interesting because when I was rewatching this movie and um, this movie is I mean, gosh, 50 years old, if not more, I'm not doing the math properly, but it's almost 60 years old, I guess. Um, but the idea of what women are and, and be, and, and acting like a woman and what does acting like a woman mean for these two guys who are sort of undercover, um, was really interesting. It was an interesting look at, at gender, at a gender binary taking place 
a long time ago and seeing uh, how different things are and how different things aren't. And of course, you know, the com- the comparison to Tootsie as well came up. Um, so it's an interesting conversation. And I also bring up the idea of femininity because, of course, Marilyn Monroe is um, iconic in this movie. And, um, you know, you'll hear that Emma... Emma um, has a true fondness for Marilyn Monroe um, that that she will tell you sort of started with this movie. And for me, Marilyn Monroe has always been the sticking point in this movie. I've, I've never been able to identify with her or appreciate her, even as I've gotten older and I understand her legacy, or at least I try to understand her legacy. And so um, I say that to say, because, you know, this movie has a lot of stuff going on. In addition to the fact that Billy Wilder is behind the camera and Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis are, are Hollywood icons. And um, this movie is iconic in a lot of different ways. So um, I hope that this is an interesting conversation for you all. I hope that if you don't know Emma yet, you fall in love with her the way that I have. I'm so grateful that she came on and was a was a guest on the show. Um, so without further ado, here you go. Emma Fife and Some Like It Hot. This is good. I'm so excited that we're doing this. It's funny because aside from... Let me see. Well, one of the last episodes I did was with Mark and Draco, mm, mm-hmm. and we talked about Tootsie. I love that. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so funny that yeah. and Draco and I are both picking like quintessential drag films. Yes, <laughs> quintessential drag films, gender swap comedies, yep. and all the things. And I actually looked up on the um, on the I, or on the um, AFI list right. uh, that Some Like It Hot is number one and Tootsie's number two. Oh, that is so yeah. funny. Is I it, love that. But so so yeah, and it was funny watching this movie, rewatching this movie again. Um, but uh, but we don't have to get right into that. Yeah. Um. So Emma, yes, I want to start by asking you. We're just gonna dive right. Yeah, in. let's do it. Um, I actually don't know where you're from. Oh, I am from Bethel, Connecticut. Oh my. In Fairfield County. <laughs> uh, I recently discovered it was so funny on Twitter the other day. So remember when we did the glow down with yes. the girls from the glow TV show? So Britt Barron, who mm-hmm. plays uh, the girl who turns out to be spoilers, uh, Mark Barron's daughter yes. on glow. She posted something the other day where she's like, you know, oh, former, you know, Staples High School student, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait a second, Staples High School? And I think she's from like Chester, Connecticut or something. Anyway, we're from the same county in Connecticut. Wow. And uh, and I tweeted at her being like, girl, I didn't know you were from Fairfield County. And she's like, yep, still got my 203 area code. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still, I still got my yep. 404. Yep. Um, that's so, so when, so when did you, I mean, this is not like, um, this show is not an interview podcast, no, no. but I'm like genu- genuinely curious about when when you came to Los Angeles. So I had quite a journey. Uh, so basically, I grew up in Connecticut. I went to college in Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley at James mm-hmm. Madison University. And when I graduated from college, I toured with Missoula Children's Theater for about two and a half years. Okay. And during that time, I think before I started touring with Missoula, I had seen, been to maybe 10 states. And now I've been to all but I think seven. Whoa. Uh, And so it just really sort of broadened my horizons as far as 
experiencing the rest of the U.S. Because growing up in Connecticut and doing musical theater my whole life, I thought, oh, I'll end up going to New York or whatever. And then after being on tour for so long, the reality of it kind of set in for me of if I go to New York and I'm auditioning for jobs, it's going to be more touring jobs or more regional theater jobs. I'm not just going to show up and be on Broadway. And I really wanted to live in one place for a while. Mm, And so that was how I kind of ended up out in LA. That's really Also, I really liked the weather. Yeah. Uh, I drove over Snoqualmie Pass, which is in the middle of Washington state in a blizzard one time and I had to put chains on the tires of the truck I was driving and went, nah, I don't really need to see snow again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I only lived in New York for a year mm-hmm. and it was similar, like with a theater background going up there and, and but also, you know, like I had family in New York and mm-hmm. I thought for sure that that was where I was going to end up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I lived an hour, hour and a half out side of New York City? Yeah. That's so crazy. But what but once I lived there uh for a year, I was like, no. Mm-hmm. No, I don't I don't this isn't for me. It's yeah. not anything wrong with New York. No, and I I still have lots of friends in New York mm-hmm. and I love visiting New York. And if I had an amazing contract or something with a limit on it where it was you are going to go live in New York for a year, yes. but you're going to be able to afford to have this amazing midtown apartment, yes. then I would totally do it. But it it would, I, I had a friend, uh, a friend of mine from college who lives in LA now. She lived in LA when I moved out here, but she had it in her head that she wanted to move to New York. And she moved there and she moved back within the year. And she told me she used to have fever dreams about how big her apartment in LA was. Oh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it is no joke. And, and it, it's, uh, you know, that was the thing was that like when I lived there, what I kind of came away with was it's just hard to live there. Mm-hmm. You know, like little things that you don't think about, especially if you come from a car city, like yes. Atlanta's a car mm-hmm. city. And, um, but like going to the grocery, grocery store, store or, that's a huge or one. Target, mm-hmm. like I have to get all my toiletries. And then you're like, how the hell oh, yeah. am I getting this? I home? went to Home Depot with a friend in New York one time. That's, and you know, it's funny because when I lived there, it was 2004, 2005. Okay. So it wasn't, um, you know, now like everything prime, everything's delivered yes, to of your course. door. Yeah. But at the time it just, that was not the deal. Yeah. This, I mean, this would have probably been right after we graduated from college. So around 2008, and I remember going to Home Depot with my friend. Unfortunately, he didn't need to get anything too big, but he just needed to get, he wanted to replace like the um, plates on all of his light switches in his apartment and he needed to get some plywood or something for some project. But yeah, it was, it was quite the ordeal. Yeah. It's a process, but it's funny because, so for me, I know that my interest in, I have always, I did theater since I was a little girl, but Mm -hmm. I think it was more because I wanted to perform as Mm -hmm. opposed to loving theater. Sure. And I've grown to love theater now um, and appreciate it for specifically what it is. But, um, but I say that to say that film was always my passion. Um, and this is the, some like it hot, I feel like is a quintessential, uh, like movie movie. Yeah. And, and so I'm curious where, like when you first saw, okay. So this is my whole history of how I saw this movie. So my dad is, I don't necessarily think of my dad as being a film buff, mm-hmm. but he is a technology buff. Oh, um, both of my parents are programmers. So my dad has been in IT my entire life. He was director of e-business for a number of companies and he always had the latest and greatest in terms of audiovisual te- audio visual technology. Mm-hmm. So in our house, we had a room because you know I, I grew up in this 
big colonial house mm-hmm. in the countryside in Connecticut in the middle of a forest. And uh, we had a, I mean, people don't buy houses this big anymore that are just like regular family yeah. houses. It was not, it was not a mansion. It was just a big house. Yeah. And my parents actually had kind of a hard time selling that house because my mom went, people just don't want this much space in their house anymore. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, it had like a formal living room, which we just turned into like a, we had a pool table in there. Um, <laughs> we had a formal dining room. It, we, it just, the table just collected crap. You right. know what I mean? Where it was like, uh, we need to figure out what to do with this later. But we had this room of our garage that was the media room. Mm-hmm. And we had a bunch of like lazy boy armchairs set up up there and a projector TV. So we had a TV that like came down uh-huh. out of the ceiling, like a screen and then a projector that projected onto it. So this was how I watched movies growing sure. up. Um, but my dad also had these, they were like wooden painted posters. And one of the, there, there were a few of them that we had up there, but the two most prominent ones I remember were Casablanca and Some Like It Hot. Mm. And on the Some Like It Hot poster, I remember recognizing Marilyn Monroe and it said Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis on it, obviously, but like, it didn't occur to me that the two other ladies on the poster were them. Right. Uh, And yeah, it was in like, she was in pink and they were in like green and blue. And I had no idea what this movie was about, but I was so fascinated by it. And I used to just look at that poster all the time. And I I legitimately didn't know what the movie was about at all until my dad finally explained to me that I was like, why are there like three ladies on this poster? But these are not, lady name. So I thought like, Oh, I don't know. Tony could be a girl's name. <laughs> and my dad was like, no, 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 no. It's there. They dress up as women. I was like, okay, that's weird. Uh-huh. And then I watched it for the first time. I want, I'm, I can't remember. We definitely were living in our new house, but I, I was probably, I don't know, maybe 10 the first time I saw this movie. Wow. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that we had it on Laserdisc, mm-hmm. though I know we definitely got it on DVD when it was released on DVD, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I watched it on Laserdisc for the first time because my dad had quite the Laserdisc collection. So did you, when you finally saw the movie, did you love the movie then? Oh my God, immediately. Kid? Oh yeah. Okay. It was it was interesting because I think it was the first, I, in fact, I'm quite positive it was the first film with Marilyn Monroe in it that mm. I ever saw. Uh-huh. And... I don't know. I'd, I'd had this cause she, there's so much imagery of yes. her, you know what I mean? And I, I had remember having no idea how funny she was mm. because I just saw her as, Oh, it's like this sexy lady. And I don't know. I, I, I think that all of us as young girls, to some extent that are sort of feminists go through kind of a problematic stage of feminism yeah, where yeah. you want to strip women of all their feminine qualities in order to make them like good, strong characters. And I, I really think that Sugar Cane in, in Some Like It Hot was one of the characters that sort of helped me overcome that attitude a little bit. Interesting. 
because she was so funny and charming and she's not what I expected at all. Yeah. That's really interesting. I was thinking about that with, that's how I felt about Audrey Hepburn Mm, because mm -hmm. I never grew up uh, watching, like I saw the iconography of Breakfast at Tiffany's and and knew that like girls would just like loved Audrey Hepburn because she was pretty. Yeah. And, uh, And then when I watched Breakfast at Tiffany's finally, I was like, oh, this is a great movie and she's great in yeah, it. Yeah, it's it, it's so interesting that you bring up that idea of girls loved Audrey Hepburn because she was pretty and you having a hard time connecting with that because I felt like with Marilyn it was a you know men love this woman and she's such a sex symbol yeah. which is why I thought I would have a hard time connecting and then it turned out that that was not true at all. Yeah, and you know so when I was rewatching the movie um I I still 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 can't can't get on board with Marilyn Monroe. Oh. I don't and, and I don't I I really um I don't know if it's because like I I feel as though the dialogue she is given is so good. Yeah. And and maybe it's very like nar- narcissistic and selfish, sure, sure. but I'm like, I just would play this right. so different. You're like, anybody could play this well, and it's, differently. Well, it's so funny, yeah. you yeah. know? I mean, like the writing. The writing, is, writing is fantastic is, in yes. this film. And um, and and I feel like, like sometimes I feel like her delivery is rushed. But then again, sure. I feel like this movie is just it's like, old. go, go, go. The pacing go. of this movie is insane. Like it's, okay, so... My ex- the first time I saw Some Like It Hot, I was in high school. Okay. Um, a teacher showed it to us in in an English class or a lit class or something. I don't yeah. know why. I, I think that I watched it in school also, but I, I had certainly already seen it by then. I mean, I'm sure somebody, yeah. I mean, I feel like, I don't know. I guess it depends on your teacher, but I yeah. have teachers mm-hmm. who showed us movies. Yeah, um, did too. But, uh, but that said, the one of the last times I remember watching Some Like It Hot, um, and this is legal in California, was I was high. Uh, and and for some reason, I was like, oh, yeah, this will be a great idea. And then I was just like, this is too so stressful. Intense. Too stressful. Yeah, exactly. yep, yep, I can I, imagine and that. And I remember even with my high brain, you know that um, that story about on the prequels, the Star Wars prequels, mm-hmm. George Lucas is bigger, faster, yes. stronger. Like I was just <laughs> sitting there going, that's how this movie must have been directed. Yes. It's just like bigger, faster, whatever. Um, um, but but so uh, so yeah that's sort of so um, rushing through the jokes or like the delivery like sure. that's that's you know it's so fast yeah that that's a hard and I thing and I do. think it was also it, it it's a product of the type of comedy and the time period that it was for made for sure you know for sure they, it's just that uh, it is I feel like it's so characteristic of films of that era that particularly with your sort of witty comedies, which this certainly is, yeah. there was this idea of, it's it's very um, like Gilmore-y. You know how in Gilmore Girls, they all just like talk so fast and yes. they're all so clever. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of what these older comedies are like. Well, and I was reading like, I, especially when it comes to Billy Wilder, yes. um, I was reading a little bit about, I had seen, I've seen this movie a million times, but I wanted to see like, what do people say about mm-hmm. this movie? Um, and uh, one of the things that they mention is the idea that every line, there is um, either a joke, mm-hmm. a double meaning, or a reference mm-hmm. to something. Like, it is so stacked. There's no way. And yet it's over two hours long. I know. Like, there's so much content. But because, because again, the, the dialogue is so quippy and the pacing is so fast. I don't realize that this movie is too over two hours mm-hmm. long. 
it it moves. It moves so fast. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so, I, speaking of musical theater, did you ever see the musical? I did. Yeah, I did too. yeah. I saw it at the Schubert Theater in Connecticut. Did you see it with Tony Curtis? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. Tony Curtis playing the uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Osgood role. Yeah, yep. same. I remember that. I specifically remember and. Um, well, and I, and here's another thing that I remember, because this is again, circling back to that Marilyn Monroe conversation. I remember watching the girl who played Sugarcane mm-hmm. in the play and wanting her to either do something completely different yes. or to really match Marilyn. And yes. she didn't either. Mm, that's an, yeah, that's, and that's a tough one. You know, it is. you wonder what the producers, like, are the producers telling you, you know, remember Marilyn, mm-hmm. just think about Marilyn. Right. Or are they telling you to do something different sure. and then you can't quite pull it off. Yeah. And there's always going to be that comparison, yeah. especially to, I actually don't remember, but was the girl who uh, played Sugar she, did she have blonde hair? She did, yeah. So, so yeah, so they're evoking a mm. Marilyn. Oh, archetype. yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing, I, oh, I mean, overall, the show was really just like an homage yes. to the film. Yes. It wasn't, it, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. Right. I remember specifically, which is a joke that I really extra appreciated this time I watched it, uh, that Spats the gangster yes. uh, was a tap dancer. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah. and he's obsessed with his shoes mm-hmm. in the movie. And so I was like, okay, good job. Yeah, so the tap number translated really well and in, the into the thing. And the machine gun fire, oh, oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, that's totally coming back to me now. That, yeah. yeah, when they show up with the machine guns, it's like a tap yeah. thing. That's what I remember yeah, most, I think. Yeah. That and the Tony Curtis of it all. But well, yeah. speaking of Tony Curtis, so um, I love Jack Lemmon. Mm-hmm. I am like the biggest, I, I say, no, I, I don't want to say I'm the biggest Jack Lemmon fan because I, there was a period in college where I tried to watch all of his movies. Okay. Um, I was not successful. <laughs> and uh, and also it's like I watched them once, you know, 10 years ago and now I don't remember. Sure, of course. But, um, but I feel like to me, Jack Lemmon is the shining star. Oh, of I, I completely like disagree with, I, I completely agree with you on that. I, I don't know. Oh, I said disagree. It just came out. I was like, what? Uh, no, I, I, yeah. I mean, Jack Lemmon is just so funny in this film. And he's, he's this. So one of the things we talked about with Andreka or I talked about with Andreka and Tootsie mm-hmm. was the idea of like the reaction the characters could or would have to the gender swap. Yes. And how in, and I, and it's really in some like it hot, like, there's no hint of discomfort or malice or mm-hmm. or anything with when it comes to Daphne specifically. Yes, and you really do believe and buy their love story, yes. which is like really the, the, sweet. The Daphne and Osgood love story is such a highlight of this film because, as you say, I mean, I mean, particularly given the time period yep. in which it was made, and it's supposed to take place in the twenties. Yeah. I the fact that they just go with this story and and the only reaction that you ever get out of out of Daphne or Gerald uh, is the is Tony Curtis's character. um, Joe basically reminding him, like, you're a man. Right. And that's it. He's never grossed out by the fact that he's having this sort of romance with another man. It's just a, oh yeah, right, right, right. I'm a man, I'm a man. But then the, the, like, when he's like, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man. I wish I were dead when, when he's like agreed to run away with Oscar. Yes. It's so, I mean, it is very charming. And yet there is, so it was funny because I was reading and, and I was, 
so I was reading about like this movie is remembered for for being you know embracing the outsider and yeah. embracing the weirdos and and finding your tribe essentially like finding love wherever you can whatever kind of love that means yeah um and uh, but I will say that one of the things and aside from like some of the you watch this movie now and some of these the language they use you're just like yeah yeah but that said um one of the biggest things that I was kind of like I wonder who is writing all of this uh, these memories about some like it hot was when it came to the treatment of sugar, mm-hmm. like because she is so manipulated and like tricked and lied to, and then again though they're all liars. Yeah, they're they all are con, con I, artists. I think that that's what it is. Is that she, is that she in her own way is she almost as much of a con artist as they are. Yes. Which is why she's such a great character. It, I, the the term uh, "dumb like a fox" right. comes to mind. Right. She she's playing the game too. Absolutely. Well, that was something I'm really glad that I read this article of uh, pointing out that when they're on the beach, yes, and and you know he says, oh, something about a society girl or something, and she goes, oh, well, I went to a conservatory, and he catches her. Stealing his lie yep. and giving it back to her, yep, and yep, she doesn't yeah, even miss she, a yeah, beat. Sheboygan yeah. Academy or something like that. Yeah, like, it was really and so yes, they are. They all are liars <laughs> yeah. and and um, you know goofy people. But but yeah, there was a there was also though an element of like. Oh, well, you know, I guess you're just going to have to seduce me or I guess you're going to have to, you know, the trickery. I just was kind of like, oh, and we already know this poor girl is like so heartbroken <laughs> and, and like love, uh, love starved. Right. And, and then he's like just manipulating and taking advantage of her at every turn. And I was like, oh, yeah. But I, I think that I would be more sort of uncomfortable because this is the thing is <laughs> this is going to sound terrible to say, but he is manipulating her. But. Ultimately, it comes from a place of he does really care about her. Sure. And, you know, in the end of the movie, she's basically like, "Eh, I don't care. I make terrible choices. Here we go. Well, And and same and same with uh, Osgood and and Daphne, you know, is like the idea of like, well, here we are. And all right, we've (laughs) we've ended up here. Nobody's perfect. It's it's like the best ending line to any film. (laughs) It it really is. Um, Yeah. Billy Wilder and. And um, is it I A A Diamond I I I I A A Diamond? There's so many yeah. like there's so, so many letters. Back in the day, I feel like most people just went by letters and not actual names. Well, that was another thing I was reading with respect to the idea of like you know a whole band of weirdos finding each other was you know the idea that these guys every so everybody in this movie with the exception of Jack Lemon mm-hmm. had changed their name. So Marilyn Monroe wasn't born mm-hmm. Marilyn of course Monroe. Not. Tony yeah. Curtis was I think is a very Jewish last yeah, name. Yeah, I think he does too. Um, and uh, and of course, Billy Wilder and and Diamond were were you know immigrants from Eastern Europe, and their names were not you know were not that either. Yeah. Um, so so it was this really interesting idea of like the American dream and faking it till you make it, and you can be whoever you want to be and mm-hmm. leave the past behind, and we're just gonna start anew. I mean, that's how the movie ends. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like it, we're just driving off in a boat into the sunset here on our next adventure, yep. I suppose. And driving away from uh, actually San Diego, but they were supposed to be in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Well, San Diego is nicer. Yeah, it is uh, I nicer. say that as a person from Atlanta. <laughs> I I know I know I know it well. Um, 
but yeah, I am. Um, the other thing that one of the other things that I really like about this movie, and they don't really dive into it, but it is there, is like this this appreciation for like the band, mm-hmm. the girls, and and like what, getting to spend time with the girls misbehaving and breaking their rules and telling jokes and yeah. being funny. And I kind of was like, I really admire and appreciate I, that. I really like that too. I I I mean, again, it's like all the scenes on the train where they're trying to hide the alcohol from the band yes. director. And, and and it's so, because you are seeing women with agency. Yes. You know, these are not just good little girls, but they're also not evil criminals right. or anything. They're just, they're, they're working women in the entertainment field and they're just, they're just trying to get by and have a good time. Well, they're, and they're also just real people. Yeah. You know? yeah. It kind of reminded me of, um, in a league of their own. Yeah. You know, like, Oh my God, I love that movie. I love it too. And when they go through the list of the rules for the baseball players yes. and it's like no drugs, no sex, no alcohol, no staying out late. And it was like, if you ever, yes, exactly. And told- then Im- immediately they have that great scene of them, uh, when they're, off the bus and they're making the plan to like go to the dance hall to sneak out of course and it was just like so that's sort of what it reminded me of was like you know just seeing and but I do think for the time period as well you know actually giving that type that part of the story a little room to breathe Mm -hmm. and a letting and what really struck me was in the beginning one of the band girls like flat out tells a joke it's like a joke somebody would tell in a bar and I was like you know the idea that these writers and Billy Wilder as a director were comfortable enough. You know, and I think that that is part of uh, the journey for Daphne. You know what I mean? Yes. Where where they, they go in and initially it's, oh, you know, we're surrounded by all these hot, ladies and it's and it's and especially Gerald slash Daphne does the whole does like the complete 180 from oh I just love all these girls to oh actually maybe I to to really kind of I think connecting with and identifying with them on some level and appreciating how like nice Osgood is to him her and and recognizing that these women are just people because as you say, they do such a good job of portraying them as people who, you know, can like keep up with men and are not just objects. Well, (laughs) I think too, like with both this one and Tootsie, it's the idea of these men, these men learning how to actually appreciate women as people first and not as like, and that's not to be, to be fair. It's not, it is, um, I believe it is ingrained mm-hmm. socially in young men from the time they are born. Oh, yeah. The way they are to look at women, think about women, interact with women, that, you know, unless you strip that away and put them in an environment where it's like, no, you, you, you they can't, they have to learn how to appreciate yes. people, them being people first. Correct, because they could never at any point laud being men over these women because literally their lives depended right. on them continuing to pretend to be women. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, it's interesting, but I did. And I also think that there is a, you know, like Billy Wilder is, you know, often taught his movies are, can be seen as cynical or, or super, they are dark. They're definitely. Yeah. Dark, and I mean, I mean, you have a whole storyline with murder and gangsters in this. Sure, so. Exactly. Uh, but that said, I, there is an element of, to me in some like at hot, like, it's it's a 
it's a it's not, sweet's the wrong word, but it's like it's a sensitivity maybe. Yeah, there's there's something like it's definitely dark. There's murder everywhere. Sure, but I I think that the overall message is very. I, I agree with you. I don't know that sweet is the right word. Yeah. Maybe sentiment. There's a little bit of sentimentality to it. And again, it's, it, I, I think you, your two journeys are basically these two people with uh, Joe and with sugar, where they're both trying to con somebody into, you know, marrying them for right. the wrong reasons. And then they end up together ultimately because they really connect because they really connected as people as Josephine. And right. Sugar. Exactly. And that's how they really got to know each other. And that made her go at the end. You know what? I did this to myself. I told you I was trying to marry a millionaire. Yep. You tried to be that millionaire for me. Yep. And you know what? Here we are. Here we are. And then you also have the journey for, uh, uh, for Gerald and the Daphne character of starting with being just sort of a, a dude who's he was not who was originally not on board even really with the plan it was Joe's plan to pretend to be women and then coming full circle to again this this real understanding of of women and what it means to be treated nicely yeah. by a man yeah and then them all just kind of you know, riding off into the sunset, metaphorically speaking. I, yeah, I, I love it. I think instead of the word sweet, I think the word I was looking for was compassion. Sure, yes, I think, I think that's very true. Yeah, yeah, a compassionate thing. Um, I know we talked a little bit about Jack Lemon, but I, I always, um, so Tony Curtis in mm -hmm. this movie, like it's funny because growing up and being a film nerd, especially sure. like as a little kid and the way that, you know, we, I use the AFI list and it's like, doesn't really matter. Right. But in 1997, I would have been like, you know, 11 years old mm -hmm. and there was like a, a special that they did all night, you know, it, uh, counting down the movies mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And, and I feel like with some like it hot as it celebrated like centennials or, or de anniversaries, mm -hmm. I've heard Tony Curtis tell the same stories about this movie so many times. Yeah. And he was like really pleased with himself. And um, it's he's just an interesting figure. Yeah, I agree with you. He is somebody that that's like, I'm so clever and great at what I do. Yes, he is very proud because I remember he told that story about every time. He's like, if you watch me in the movie, every time I'm Josephine, I put my lips out like this. Yeah, we and know. That, and it's like, and yeah. I was just like, okay, yes, we get it. Thank you. But I will also say what I found really interesting was, uh, you know, Tony Curtis being an I uh, matinee idol or being a sex symbol or whatever he was before he took this movie. Um, he has such a delicate face. He does. Like, even like I noticed his, um, and I'm sure yeah, his, his, his bone structure, yes. he, he, he pulls off being a lady <laughs> really, really well. And yeah. his, and his eyebrows too. Like, I think that they probably shot some, they probably shot a little bit out of order. I'm sure. Um, but, but when he is, even in the beginning when he's Joe and, uh, and he's like, I, I got my tough accent and I talk like this and I'm a, <laughs> and then, but he's got these beautiful arched eyebrows and his like delicate yeah. little face. And yeah. I'm just like, Oh, this, but meanwhile, Jack Lemon, when you look at, when you really look at his face, Face under the makeups and the hair and all yeah. of it, you're just like Tony Curtis is a is a very pretty man. Is yes. what I'm saying. Yes, he is. He's a very very pretty man. Also, it's funny because I think that because he was such a like pretty man. I remember watching the movie for the first time, and you know I thought he was 
cute as Joe, but once you put on those stupid glasses, I really like think glasses add a lot to a guy's face. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. And the glasses, like as dorky as they are, totally working for him in this movie. Oh, well, that's another thing. Again, talk about like every line, every <laughs> sequence having either a joke or reference or something. Yeah. I mean, the Cary Grant yes. subplot is like, to me, the funniest, weirdest little Hollywood thing. Yes, it is. And so for the audience who maybe don't know, when Tony Curtis is playing the millionaire, he is doing his Cary Grant mm-hmm. impression. And um, and I just, I'm just like, that's just the weirdest little bit of inside yep. baseball. It's kind of like, it reminds me a little of in Ocean's, what is it, Ocean's 12, when like Julia Roberts, they run into her and they're like, you look like that actress, Julia yes, Roberts. Yes, 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 it's Ocean's 12. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. so yeah. on the nose and weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just, I mean, it, it is, but it is charming and it is, it is kind of fun that they could like have, have that little gag in there. And yeah. allegedly Cary Grant thought it was hilarious. Yes, I love that. But, I do too. Yeah. I and mean, you know what else is kind of interesting about that is that Cary Grant, um, you know, it, there's that famous quote, whether or not he really said it about like, everybody says they want, they would like to be Cary Grant and so would I. Yes. Um, and, and there was a lot of, you know, like rumor intrigue about his sexuality and his life. Um, but when you are playing this, mm-hmm. this role publicly, um, you know, like it, it's, you, you, that's the lifestyle that he chose and he, or that was a lifestyle that he felt like he had to live at the time. So that said, it's kind of funny that in a movie like this, yes. it's all about assuming identity or whatever. They pick Cary Grant to right. emulate. Who felt that he was sort of living an assumed identity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. the layers. Yeah. So meta. Yeah, it really is. So it's very meta. meta. <laughs> what else do I have on uh, my little list here? I have to say that it, it has always made me want to go to slash stay at the Hotel Coronado where they filmed. I think I've been there once before. I had a friend a couple years ago. Her husband works for Fox. Uh Uh-huh. And during San Diego Comic-Con, that was where they stayed. Yes. Maybe they're, oh, you know, is it kind of close? Yeah, it's on Coronado Island. So it's just like that you can basically like take a water taxi or the ferry across and be pretty close to the convention center. I think that I have been to or done something at that hotel that I don't remember what it was. I don't think it was Comic-Con, but it's yeah. a, it's apparently very haunted. Oh, is it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't I, I, that's what I I didn't know anything about that and I haven't really looked into it too much, but my friend Michelle that stayed there was like it's haunted AF. And oh, so, wow. Yeah. That's cool. I'm actually going to go stay at the Queen Mary next mm. weekend. And uh, I've been to the Queen Mary, but I've never stayed there. Yeah. But I didn't realize the Queen Mary was a World War II ship where mm-hmm. they transported like soldiers. So, so lots of soldiers were dying on the yeah, ship. Yeah. I, I mean, they do uh, at the, the only reason that I know that is they at the Queen Mary at Dark Harbor, yes. they tend to do mazes that are kind of based around actual stories from oh, the Queen Mary. And so they had like a war one this year. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll keep my eye out next weekend. Somebody for sure. s- had like those slider knee pads on and like crawled after my group for a while. It was oh, God. great. It Amazing. Was awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, I don't love that those soldiers died. No, of course. But, but, uh, but uh, yeah. I love a good Halloween event. Um, So when I was watching this, so like, you know, in the, on my 
show on my podcast mm-hmm. at the towards the end, I let everybody like pick a movie that's not Got on it. that they would add. Um, but mm. while I was watching this this time around, I started thinking about all the um, the the movies like that that device of I've witnessed a murder or I've seen something. Yeah. I need to go into hiding and all and the co- and comedy ensues. Sure, and I and I started thinking about Sister Act <laughs> and. And how it's like, you know, like kind of like the same. It's not the same, but it's also like, oh, yeah, they could yeah. be like. And, and I was like, man, that'd be a fun little double feature. That maybe. would kind of be a fun little double feature. But I think I realized that if I could add to and I should look it up. But if I could add to the comedy list, mm-hmm. I think I would add Sister Act to that list. That's amazing. Did you ever were you into that movie when you were a kid? Sister Act. I was not as into it as some of my neighbors okay. were. And I think that, you know, sometimes you watch movies with people who have already seen them and are so into them. And then when you watch with them, it's not really the greatest experience. Uh That was my first experience with Sister Act. Yeah. Yeah, I think some of my neighbors were like real into it. And I was like, I I, I mean, I I have seen it since and I think it's super funny, but it was one of those things where I sort of initially missed the boat on it and it it took a little while for me to catch up with it. I sincerely do not know why that movie was in my purview because mm-hmm. it came out I was way too young to, for it's not a kids movie yeah and well and a lot of the girls there were in my neighborhood there were a number of girls who were older than I was or girls who were my age who had older sisters than me and so I think that was kind of how I again it was like I watched it with these girls who were three or four years older than me I was probably a little too young right but yeah yeah I just I didn't know if as a musical theater uh nerd yeah uh, that would have been up your alley because I and you know it's funny I've actually never seen Sister Act to the musical now that there yeah is I haven't one. seen it either um yeah. but I I I fucking I you, no one has ever said these words before but I fucking love Sister Act uh. <laughs> I just love it so much. I think it's really funny. But I was also thinking about, oh yeah, her boyfriend is a gangster in that movie, yep, and like yep. he watches through, she definitely watches, some parallels. Yeah, for sure. And she has to like put on a new outfit. Yeah. <laughs> now I totally want to watch those but, as a double feature. Yeah. Oh my god. Right. Yeah. That's actually a really good double feature. Do you think that um, Sister Act or Sister? Oh my god, Freudian slip. Do you think <clears throat> that um, Some Like It Hot could be made in any way? today hmm because it was already hard to make then yes get made then but I think if you were to do if you were to do it today you'd have to get more into not not real I mean I, yes and no. I don't know. Because I because part of me wants to say, oh, if you do it today, like you really need to bring in the ideas of like homosexuality and there should be more racial diversity. Sure. But I think that some of the things that's nice about that movie are the implied things that it's not saying. Well, it's like fluidity almost. Yeah. Like it's the notion of fluidity. Like the idea that Jack Lemmon doesn't have to be, he, he doesn't, oh, as Daphne, he can, as anybody, as, as Gerald, yeah. or, um, you know, he can, he can kind of transcend, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the binary. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that that's the thing is I, I think with that character, you, you get like this great example of somebody who is non-gender binary, but they don't, but they don't have to make it a thing. Right. I, I, you know, this is, uh, this is a weird example, but I kind of bring up the idea of, uh, this whole kerfuffle with 
the new Fantastic Beasts film mm. and how in it they're like, oh, we're not going to address Dumbledore's sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but it wasn't addressed in the books. This was your opportunity to do something. Right. And it doesn't need to be a love story or about how Dumbledore is gay. Just make him gay. You don't right. even have to talk about it. Right, right. Yeah, it's kind of like when um, it was a weird, the way this was communicated was kind of weird, but I remember, is it, uh, no, oh my God, who directed the live action Beauty and the Beast? And he, James, J uh, he, uh, mm -hmm, why mm -hmm. am I blanking on him? And he um, did Gods and Monsters and mm -hmm. he was going to do Bride of Frankenstein and he did... And then I was like, James Whale. No, yeah, that was the no, original director of Bride of Frankenstein. It'll come to me. But he kind of addressed the idea of um, LeFou being gay. Right. And then, and then, but then it turned into, well, we don't ever really talk about it in the movie, but yeah, I mean, he is. And then it turned into, well, I'm not saying, it's just this weird backtrack. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really, we've come... In a lot of ways, we've come really far when it comes to having these conversations, but in other ways, we have not. Yeah, and I and again, it's like I I think that this movie does a better job of just having this before there would have even been a conversation about somebody yeah. being non-gender binary of having a really a, a great example of that in a world where you don't have to say it, where it just exists and it mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. and. That in it, and I I agree with you about the whole sort of LeFou thing of oh the the character's gay but we're not gonna bring it up like I think that this movie does a better job of kind of portraying a gender queer character yeah, <laughs> just like letting it be it's really interesting it's it's a really interesting thing and I and I, another one of the pieces I was reading before you arrived was um, about how this movie came out you know in 1959 yeah so it was the Eisenhower era and it was like a very stuffy kind of stiff time and here comes this like insane sex comedy mm -hmm. and and you know but I don't know I I think um, I so so here's a question do do you think that Some Like It Hot is the, in your opinion, is do you think it's the greatest American comedy ever made? I, you know, my, my gut reaction is yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it definitely has some competition, but it really stands on its own feet. Yeah. I, um, I, cause when, oh, I should have mentioned this earlier, but when we were talking about what movie you wanted to do, you immediately were like, can I call Some Like It Hot? Yeah. Which I thought was, I was like, oh, yes, of course you I can. I just love this movie so much. And I don't think there's, there's been like one Schmodown question about it ever because yeah. all of the comedy questions are always like bro comedy. Yeah. I mean, I, I do not disagree <laughs> with that. That's for sure. Um, well, so in terms of like, if you could add a movie to any list, do mm -hmm. you have one? Do you have anything that stands out Well, it was to you? funny. This, this is, I, I was kind of going through my brain of, okay, like what would I add? And you... Uh, brought up musical adaptations yeah. of films. And we were like, I haven't seen the musical adaptation of Sister Act. Uh, neither have I. What I have seen the musical adaptation of that is fantastic is Legally Blonde. Oh. Legally Blonde, the musical, is amazing. But the film is great, too. Interesting. Because to me, and, and there's been a lot of conversation with this um, about that film, is that you watch it and there's a lot of question of who is this movie for? Be, in a good way, uh -huh. who is this movie for? Because it appeals across so many lines. And I, I I, just love a good story of a character who you think is just like super shallow, dumb valley girl, but turns out that no, like that's that's what's 
that's her strength is like she really is like a good, energetic, lovely person. Yeah. Um, so I, I would probably put Legally Blonde on the comedy list. Well, you know what? And to I, I to your point, because I just did a, a little Patreon mini. Um, I've been asking like the subs- the contributors if they have and you know, if what yeah. do they want to hear? And somebody suggested uh, a, a gal named Sally mm-hmm. suggested um top five Sandra Bullock movies, right? Oh, because nice. you know, yeah. I love her so much. But to your point, I was really thinking about and kind of talking it through on the episode, the idea of Miss Congeniality. Yes. And that was the one when I was like 13, 14, yeah. I saw where I saw, I was like, that's me. I see me on yes. the screen, right? But that said, one of the reasons that I still love that movie, and I do still love it, it's not a movie that I saw like, you know, at a certain time and mm-hmm. now I have a fondness for it. No, yeah, that's that's how I feel about uh Legally Blonde and also, of course, Clueless. Yes. Of, oh, well, Clueless is a, it's Clueless needs to be on this list. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Um, but to your point about Legally Blonde and, and how she starts and then how she finishes, like, I really love how, you know, Gracie starts the movie being like, these girls are morons. What about feminism? Yes. Like, yes, what do I have yes. to do? Like, this is it's, so stupid. And then she gets to know. It's so them. true. It's, it, it's like with Legally Blonde, you're seeing the story from the point of view of one of the other girls. Yes. And yeah, exactly. And of- it's- it's like you don't want to dismiss anybody. Yes. Yeah. I really like those movies where the character, and I noticed too, like, huh, now that's interesting. I'd have to really think about it, but I can think of, we can, we just named two where, where the female character has a really like, you know, dismissive, strong belief mm-hmm. uh, about something. And then by the end of it is like, you know what? I was wrong. Yeah. And, and I appreciate these people for who they are sure. and what they bring to the table and I'm better for it. Yeah. And I think that that kind of like comes back full circle to what I was talking about at the top of the episode of as a young girl where you do go through that sort of problematic phase of feminism where you look at girls who exhibit more traditionally feminine qualities and go, well, they like, they're just like being, they're dumb and they're products of society and they're not standing up against the man. And then you realize, no, that's, that's not the case at all. Or in some ways that's exactly how they're standing against the man. Exactly. I mean, I think, yeah, that's a, there's a bigger, there's a bigger, question of like what you know I I don't know there's yeah at the end of the day I think that people who support other marginalized people Mm -hmm. are doing their best to help and I don't know if there's a right way to do it but but then again like I don't know it's a complicated thing it's yeah. a really complicated thing. Um, and, and you know, look, Marilyn Monroe as a, as a role model, as a figure, like I just don't, I still don't. And I found myself thinking about that a lot as I rewatched this movie is I still don't know how I, I still don't know. See, I think that, that in, in this movie in particular with it, cause I mean, uh, I, I've seen a bunch of movies that she's in and this is in you know far and away the most interesting character to me that she's mm. played uh because it does kind of come back to that whole she's kind of doing the best she can given the situation and the times and, and she's not perfect she's not perfect and um, can we forget can she and we accept yes. that which mm-hmm. we have a really hard time with our female characters yep, not accepting them when they are or accepting them when they are not and perfect. you know the the other thing that i have to say is i i remember uh you know watching this movie when i was 
maybe like 14 or 15 and I was, uh, and it was like, cause I was basically once I like hit puberty, I, as we all do, I had to learn to understand nutrition a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was a little chubbier mm-hmm. and I remember really enjoying, I like, Marilyn Monroe was such an important figure for me in this movie around the time when I was like trying to lose weight. When I looked at this person who was not, cause I mean, you know, I would have been, this would have been like early two thousands, which was, I feel like kind of the peak of the stick skinny boy figure. Totally. And so to look at this woman who was curvaceous and had like boobs and a butt and uh-huh. hips. It was, it was really, I, I think that it was really good for my body image. Sure. Quite honestly, I know that sounds super weird. And like this, this was the idealized figure of the fifties that was problematic for people. Sure. But to me, this seemed more achievable. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree. I found myself having, actually, I found myself having those same thoughts as I was rewatching the yeah. movie too, was I couldn't help but notice like this is considered to be one of the most gorgeous American women yeah. uh, in pop culture. And yet she's so not, well, in a lot of ways she is, she's blonde haired, yeah. she's fair skinned, yeah. she's, you know, whatever, but in a, but in other ways, you know, her, yeah, her body type is different yeah. and, um, she especially in twiggy this little arms yeah. and, yeah. Yeah. It's, and that freaking that the the dress that she wears the two versions yes, of the dress. Well, it's, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's a thing. But I, I do. I'm really glad that, that you picked this one yeah. and that we talked about it. And I need to I really wish that I could just have a Billy Wilder marathon because uh, I would be great. I know if only I had the time, yeah. if only I could could do a I'm doing Billy Wilder this week. And yep. it's like, ugh, that'd be great. Yep. But, um, is there anything else that we missed that you might want to talk I know, about? I'm trying to think. Um. No, I think I, I think I kind of covered it. Yeah, yeah, I feel good about it too. Yeah. Well, this is great. Yeah, I'm so glad we did it. Yeah, and thanks for con- having me, Clark. This concludes, uh, I think, as far as I know, the the Fife Club. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> now I'm gonna have to start cycling all the way through you guys again. Yes, exactly. But we'll come back around. I'll find more movies yeah, on there to talk about. There are hundreds, yes, literally, yep, literally hundreds. so many. <laughs> <laughs> all right, love. Thank you. You're welcome, Clark. <laughs> Alrighty, friends, that's going to do it for us today here on Sending the Wolf. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Emma, and um, I'll be back on Thursday with a Patreon mini uh, for $5 and up monthly contributors um, talking about... Uh, female genre characters. This was like a really interesting question that was posed by by a contributor, um, Damian Keynes. And, and so I'm going to dive into that. And I think it's going to hopefully be an interesting conversation with myself. It's weird uh, doing the mini solo because it's basically just me talking for for however long to myself. But hopefully they you guys find them interesting. And um, if you are a contributor at the $5 higher level and you want to suggest topics for minis when I don't have um, side conversations with the guest, please, I'm all ears. You can, you can leave those comments on Patreon. Um, and speaking of Patreon... 
This Saturday, for $10 and higher subscribers, we're going to do our June watch-along. So I'm very excited about that. So if you haven't voted already on what the title will be, head on over to patreon.com slash Clark Wolf, and um, you can vote there. Thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate it, and I will see you next time. (laughs) 